Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast we talk about the best books in the X-Men line. And today we are actually talking about single issues. We're back, baby. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by... Okay, okay, cool. You're accompanied by... Uh, this is Josh, everybody. We are back. You need me to give you a flowery statement every time? I mean, you have for the last, like, seven years. So well, Now you get silence. That's fine. That's, That's fine. fine. I can live with it. Um, I was going to say, it's good to chat with you again. Um, for the listeners, it's only been like one week or like a you know two weeks, really. But for us, it's been like a month, man. Yeah, we close to. Yeah. We haven't uh, we haven't done this in a minute. Life, man. Life's been been doing its thing. Life has been doing its fucking thing, man. And part of that has meant that i am now surrounded by piles stacks <laughs> stacks upon stacks of mostly x-men fucking comics that i have not read um so i am very happy to be back on current books yeah no my stack is definitely shrinking after this weekend of the little binge reading for that and for G.I. Joe. I might get to that later for reasons. It'll, it'll no. make sense later. No. It'll make sense later. No. It'll make sense later. We'll get there. Anyway. It doesn't have to. I don't care what sense it makes. I don't want to fucking hear about it. <laughs> okay. So today, guys, we are doing a little catch up. This is part one of our catch up. Part two next episode, of course. This we... is episode 101.1. <laughs> Point one. We're out of control now, motherfuckers. <laughs> there is no counting system anymore. We've uh, made up today, our own style. <laughs> we're covering Jean Grey, Immortal X-Men, and Uncanny Avengers. And if we have time, Dark X-Men. And if we don't have time, you'll never know what I think about it. Yeah, we're, we can't that. go backwards. So nope. it's over. Oh. that information is going to leak out, and that's it. It's gone. It's, it's gone. gone. So... <laughs> Here's so, hoping for the best. Before we get to that, we have a yeah. little bit of news. Uh, really? This weekend is the Super Bowl. And okay. Breaking someone news. like me, someone <laughs> like me, doesn't care about that. But it has been confirmed. We are getting the first trailer for Deadpool three. Really? Yeah. I hadn't heard about that. Yep. Interesting. All right. So I'm very, very interested. Of course, that'll be really fun. And um, oddly enough, I do have some Deadpool related opinions for today's stuff with Uncanny Avengers. Oh, some Deadpool opinions. Okay. You know, yeah, so I, actually you works know out I love nicely. a good Wade Wilson opinion. Yeah. Um. So I'm excited about that. That'll be really cool. And like, from what I understand, so far, it's the only like big trailer that's going to be there. Nice. Even Did though you... I guess the commercials don't matter anymore. Because I saw one of the Pringles one with Chris Pratt today. Why am I seeing it today? It's Super Bowl commercial, right? So why am I seeing it today? I, dude, I don't. Yeah, I get it's a bygone era. It's a bygone era. And of course, like everyone else, I am furious at Taylor Swift for existing. Dude, what the shit? <laughs> like, I, this isn't a political podcast or a Taylor Swift podcast, but my lord, like, it's truly bonkers that anyone gives a fuck. Yes. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, who cares? I'm only a little surprised because again, I'm not a football guy. I'm not in that world. But like, I remember a few months ago when the Asian lady was in the crowd and she was really excited about the game, and like people thought she was a plant. 
until yeah, revealed like she's a season pass holder she's a regular fan whatever yeah and yeah but they, they were got, mad at her for existing they were also i remember this because they found like evidence that she used to be a fan of the packers so she like because she was at a chargers game and like i think the thing that came out was like yeah she was and then she moved to la and became a fan of the chargers like <laughs> Like I grew up in a, weird. a Marlins fan. I'm still a Marlins fan. As we record this, I'm wearing my Baltimore Orioles hoodie. Like <laughs> sometimes you move and you do take on the sports team. That's fair. That's fine. It's I wish really more people weird. would do that when they move down to Miami. <laughs> that's only when we have big three. All right. Yeah. That's the magic few years are the only time people cared. And act otherwise, like otherwise all that's all New York and New Jersey and Boston yeah. teams. Speaking of which, no one seems to get mad when you used to see, you know, Jack Nicholson at all the Laker games. You go to all the net games and you or Knicks games and you see uh Spike Lee making a big show. Even now, Raptors and Drake. Drake's fucking annoying when he goes to a Raptors game, like he's part of the goddamn team. I don't see I don't hear one bad word. Yeah. Twenty I seconds do. of Taylor Swift on TV I know. infuriates the world. I know. I usually hate I usually don't care for that Colin Coward guy, but yeah, he was that clip that was going around of him was pretty good. Yes, I thought too. That was really good. Yeah. It's the honest truth of like insecure losers. But yeah. no, the first thing I thought of was Drake because Drake makes a show of it when he goes. Dude, to Dude, I Raptors remember because I don't watch basketball very often, but I do remember like seeing him at games, especially when like the Raptors would make the playoffs or something. Like, yeah, he was like, I would if I were like, like a ref, I'd be team. like, he's got to go. We got to yeah. eject this guy. He is literally causing a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's my just my two cents on, on taylor swift drama because apparently people believe it's a psyop by the government speaking of psyop and taylor swift though i will say every time i see taylor swift all i think is god she should play dazzler can she please play dazzler i was just about to say we might end up talking about her again because there are heavy rumors that she is dazzler once i saw that a while back all i i was like oh my god yes that's the perfect fucking casting who the fuck and the am? craziest thing is it could actually really help the image of the x-men in general just a character that we know as nerds but she's still a little obscure to certain people oh but then like Swifties discovering we, her. I was gonna say could could help the X Men. The X Men are already like the number one selling book most of the times, like after after Batman these days. Yeah, but even that, Taylor Swift plays Dazzler. All of a sudden, X Men is everywhere. You need People, if she is Dazzler, Chris Claremont playing that in the comic. Yeah. Or, I mean, make sure the comic has Dazzler on the main team. Oh, if she 100. is gonna be it. Yes, you have to cast Daz like. Oh my God, Dazzler is part of the team. Remember, she died in the gala, but she was part of the team. <laughs> Holy shit, it is a fucking psyop, dude. <laughs> oh, God damn, but Disney's involved. <laughs> Corporate synergy with the government. Oh my God, I, fuck it. I, I, I don't care. It's great casting. So, it is, yeah. Anyway. Actually, the government's not involved in Disney because they're redoing most of Captain America uh brave new world because the secondary superhero in the movie is an israeli soldier and they're redoing literally like 60 percent of the movie now yeah I, I don't not a good time yeah i don't i, I can i can get why <laughs> yeah yeah i can get why there's a ghost closing your door Ruh -roh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all right thank Hi. you Hi. baltimore everybody
She's returned. Lady Baltimore out. <laughs> Disappeared again. <laughs> and um, just like so, that, she was gone. <laughs> uh, I can't even anything else. If you wanted to get your pre-orders for the second wave of X-Men figures coming out, it's Nightcrawler, uh, Madeline Pryor, Jean Grey, Cyclops, and a character I don't recognize. I, Go for that. I think I might. I think I need these. Are you kidding me? A Madeline Pryor fucking action figure? They're never gonna make one again. They're never gonna make one again. I need one. I need. There's a lot of figures in that set. I thought of you because Magneto in his '80s suit, that tight purple one with a big M on the chest. Tight. That's a figure. They're they're never gonna make that again. It's not gonna sell well now. So, but the Madeline Pryor, yeah, you might want to grab that. I'll I'll see if I'll send you the pre-order link if I can. Did you pre-order any? Yeah, all everything except the Gene. I already have Gene. You couldn't have just done two for the Madeline Pryor one, and then I could have sent you money. (laughs) Start using your head, man. (laughs) I have animated series Gene and Cyclops, but this Cyclops comes with a separate head that puts an optic blast. So, you got me. You son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah, you did it again. Anyway, so speaking of Gene, we are covering Gene Gray series. I believe we covered the first issue on here. We did cover the first one, yeah. So we're not going to re- retread it. And, I, and I'm going to go fairly quick, honestly. Um, we'll spend the most time on Immortal X-Men, I feel. Yeah, that and probably on Kenny. Yeah. We'll, we'll, there's stuff to get into there. Um, okay, so... Jean Grey one, we found we set the premise, right? Jean Grey is going back. I'm just gonna give a summary of this shit and we can kind of move on from there. Yeah. Jean Grey is go she's dead. She died at the gala. We don't know where she's at right now. She's in some afterworld afterlife type thing, and her consciousness is still existing. And she's going back through all of her past um decisions and seeing like Maybe this is where I fucked up. Maybe if I did this instead, everything would have been okay. And so basically each issue is that. So then the next issue, one of the issues is when she's as, appropriately enough, when she became the Phoenix to begin with, and she it flew was really the, good timing we did the episodes. One hundred percent. And she flew the shuttle into um back to earth and it fell apart and the phoenix came it was wolverine she she telepathically gave that information to wolverine and he did it because he could heal himself which as we know was not a thing that actually we knew at the time i immediately called out like bull you didn't know that shit yet (laughs) fucking louis 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 thing i got there eventually louis is redoing history um so anyway so wolverine comes out he gets the phoenix and then he fucking goes on a rampage um through the weapon x basically through his past um as because the phoenix it feeds off anger just as much as it feeds off love and we know wolverine is a very angry little man um and so gene and scott go to um try to undo the damage (laughs) um and in doing so scott ends up becoming the host of the phoenix and then Gene is still kind of like all wishy-washy about what's going on. Wolverine kills Scott to fucking save him from the Phoenix. But then the Phoenix just goes back into Wolverine. And then Wolverine burns out of existence. And, yeah, that was weird. And Gene is like, damn, well, that didn't work either. Also, ladies and gentlemen, in real time, I just pre-ordered a Maddie Pryor and put Josh's address. 
It'll go straight to him on April second. Boom! I will. I will wire you the money. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. Um, okay. So that was issue two. It oh, issue two ends with her, with Jean being like, "If that's not the problem, what is the problem?" And none other than perfect timing. Madeline Pryor is standing okay. there. Like, audience hey. i didn't read anything past issue two because my store forgot to put it in my box and i couldn't find it anywhere else continue that that's we did leave that part out um and so issue three is all about gene and maddie's relationship and uh madeline in this version of reality madeline is able to basically get the jump on mr sinister basically Inferno is happening. Um, I'm not going to go over the entire plot of Inferno right now. <laughs> Sorry. Just I, I'm going to assume you know as I talk about this. Um, so she gets the jump on Mr. Sinister and has the... Um, I can't remember the demon's names now to save my life. But the demon that's giving her power and Sim is the other demon. is uh, The demon that is trying to overrun Limbo she yeah. basically gets them both to uh get kill mr sinister then she just kills them um and then madeline Pryor, as she's killing sim sim has the techno organic virus as because it's in limbo it's been there for quite some time whatever she gets it so madeline Pryor now has full goblin queen powers full Jean gray powers and is basically a phalanx turning turning into a phalanx type creature so um meanwhile gene in this turn of events gene has now gone in to her consciousness of gene that was living in in the inferno time who was on the x-factor team with scott um they rescue baby cable little baby nathan from uh madeline Pryor and are going for safety uh, when an all-powerful techno-virus phalanx version of Madeline uh, descends on them and starts beating the shit out of Gene and is... Um, now, quick question. Is this Gene as she is in the astral projection, like real her, or just the timeline? Gene is in... Gene is in her own conscious. Gene is in her body from 1980, whatever, when it okay, yeah, was happening. Okay. Uh, so yeah. she's in her ex, the old X Factor outfit. Okay. Um, and so Madeline Pryor is winning. She's uh, causing a flood throughout New York City. She's just wreaking havoc because she's all powerful now. And as Gene is is kind of sitting there, like I don't. I don't know what to do. I, everything I keep doing is wrong. Now Madeline's out of control. She is surrounded by all the other versions of her that have existed. And they're all saying, basically, you know what you have to do, ashes to ashes. And so we get to issue four, the final issue in the Jean Grey miniseries. And this issue is a lot of words and a lot of very, very gorgeous art to basically tell a very long story that the phoenix is mad at gene because the phoenix has tried to try to be there for gene and gene has kept turning its back on it turning <laughs> that's one way to look at it for sure and the phoenix is basically saying 
your arrogance is what's gotten you here. You haven't necessarily made the wrong decisions. You just, you think, oh, I could have done something better. Like you did the best you could. And frankly, when we're together, we're pretty good, right? We're pretty good. <laughs> um, and so it it's blow up that planet that one time. So Gene is having this like, we find out basically Gene's in the white hot white hot room in this issue, yeah. Which which we find out as well in in a moment when we cover Immortal. Um, and so in the white hot room, which is the nexus of all realities, which is where the Phoenix goes and it is in touch with all Phoenix. And whenever Gene dies, which is often, she goes to the white hot white hot room. And so her her consciousness is in there, but the Phoenix is also weak in there too. So it's 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 all kinds of crazy town in there. And so Jean has this reconciliation, not just with herself, but with her past selves and including Madeline Pryor. She, ha she has this like inner monologue because I don't think she's actually talking to Maddie, but maybe she is psychically. But they basically have, they have an understanding. They come together. Jean's like, Jean starts to kind of remember how she got there. She remembers the gala. She remembers dying. She's like, oh, I, I failed there too. I, what do I have to do to make this right? Maybe I just have to bond with the Phoenix again. And so she basically starts bonding with the Phoenix and uses what power remains there to discover that hope and exodus and an apocalypse. Where am I? I'm just in the middle of this desert now. Because as we're going to learn in Immortal, they're in the White Hot Room. And so Jean temp is able to kind of transfer some of the Phoenix Force to Hope. Or I guess not. Does Hope mimic people? Hope mimics yeah. people's powers. Mimic, right? yeah. That's what she's doing. Hope mimics the Phoenix Force. Because that's what happened in uh, Avengers vs. X-Men. She mimicked it just by coming towards her. Exactly. exactly. She, she basically does that again. Um, and she is able to destroy this version of Apocalypse in the desert. And then Jean kind of is just there. It Like in physical form, she's not all there because her consciousness is still within this whatever battle she's doing with the Phoenix. And so the, it ends, the book ends with her saying, I, I know that these, my friends are still in danger every people are still the mutants are still alive they need me and whatever it is we're about to face we'll face together and it's gene holding the phoenix in her hands because i'm assuming she's finally willfully letting the phoenix back in so it's like when we'll get to how we find her later but like is her mind still being scrambled so not super clear on the timeline between Jean Grey and this book here because mm -hmm. they don't quite match up because her brain, I believe, is being scrambled in the immortal books because her consciousness is is basically still dealing with everything is being shot through all the nexus of realities to go back through all of her different timelines to try to undo this. Uh, okay, okay. 
But since she is in the the white hot room, which is the nexus of reality, she does end up making all these different realities. Like she is really fucking a, a lot of multiverses. <laughs> TVA pops out of nowhere. We need, to, we need to stop this. I mean, kind of. What the fuck? <laughs> um, overall, I give it a like three X's. It it was jumbled. It turns into a what if series, kind of. It, which would have been fine, but like it it just it felt like it was going one direction and then for what i don't know if it wasn't the original plan but then it like, didn't really get in sync it 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 you tried it was trying to all of a sudden get it merge into the same lane with immortal x-men and it yeah, felt, in the back of the street yeah it felt weird it felt weird okay good um i think from what i read i felt it going in that direction that i didn't like because the first issue was very strong mm-hmm. but when they did the second issue i was like is this just an excuse to do what if but gene gray and yeah. that's usually what i felt like it was going that direction and i don't um, i don't i don't think that's what that's not what the intent was i think the intent sure. was to build to this story of gene's yep. arrogance and gene's need or thinking that she's always right is what led to it was basically just a gene therapy issue. Yeah. She, and, hey, if anyone needs it, if anyone's a prime candidate. Um, so let's get to Immortal X Men issue 16, 17, 18. Um, out of what we're reading today, I think this was my favorite stuff. It was the strongest. I do have some issues, but for the most part, I really like most of it. So, in summary, we started off with my boy, Sebastian Shaw doing another great Sebastian Shaw thing where he just casually has like his own Iron Man suit, his Hellfire armor. And you know what? I saw that. What's the first thing I said? I want that figure. You want that fucking toy. I really want that. I hope they make that. It's a great, it's a perfect build a figure. Anyway, so him and Celine, like, hey, we're going to go back to Krakoa and fuck up Xavier. Together we can do it. I got psychic things on my suit that can protect me, lead him into you. We'll take care of him finally. So we go back to Krakoa, and Xavier's like, these fucking assholes. I'm going to keep the the uh, Mother Righteous stuff separate. Okay. So we have Xavier kind of fighting for his life, a little confused, but it's like, what's going on right now? Why are they Almost like, why are they being this aggressive about it? And he's like, wait a minute, that's Sebastian Shaw. Let me read his mind and see what's going on. Oh, okay. Hey, man, you want the passcodes to try and get back the Hellfire Club from Kingpin? If you if I give you that, will you just fucking go away? It's like, oh, oh yeah, this is fine. All right, let me pretend to crash my armor into Celine and knock her out. Listen, she just wants to use the gate. Just let her use that, and we won't really do anything else. And he's like, fine. It's the easiest way to deal with the bad guy. He is such a reasonable bad guy, and he kind of shows remorse because he's like, man, this Kokoa thing actually maybe wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it was the perfect like perfect sebastian shaw you know what i mean like yeah truly understands the character gets that he's he's not a villain he's just an evil pragmatist yeah and xavier's story basically ends with him following one of sinister's pet projects a a monkey with cyclops visor on and he points and i had like a jaw drop moment of don't kill yourself written on a diamond mirror within his head. And I was just don't like, don't kill well. yourself, please. Oh, sorry. 
don't kill yourself, please. Yes. It's a nice little Mr. Sinister's asking nicely because we're gonna we're gonna find out why in a minute, but I loved yeah. it. It was perfect. Um yeah, I'm with you. When this reveal happened, I was like wasn't shocked because like they've been implying heavily that he could potentially still be within them all or whatever, you know, which yeah, was so my I first. I like the explanation we get later. Yeah, me too. I, I, I like that way more than what I first thought was going to So happen. in the same issue, we have what's happening. What we later find out is the white hot room. Basically, they kill the clone Wolverines and Destiny's kind of like, we can't trust this lady. And Kind of X is being a dick of like, well, you have no powers right now. So what use are you? She's helping us. I was like, all right, man, he's up. First of all, you know, he's a mutant supremacist at his heart. So yeah, true. destiny without any mutant powers is basically a human. And she's lucky he's even letting her live. <laughs> um, but then Mother Righteous says, hey, man, I got my own vision right now. Someone is going to pop up that we need. So you guys go that way. Don't stay here. I'll, I'll I'll keep an eye on Destiny, and you go and see what's going on. And it is Jean Grey, but she's all like, not understanding what's going on. And then we see Apocalypse rise from the sand, a very Egyptian variant Apocalypse. Yeah, like the old school idea of Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, like whatever. Pharaoh. Basically, he is as because he keeps calling himself Exodus is Satan. He's appearing as Exodus views him basically as the ultimate evil because it wasn't it. It was Apocalypse that turned him into what he is and Apocalypse that is his great like immortal enemy. Actually, so, if you want, keep going with that on his on that side of the story and I'll cover. I'll come back with the Xavier side. The Xavier side. Yeah, for the next issue, you, you keep covering oh. what's happening in the White Hot. Room. Oh, OK. All right. Well, the metaphors and everything. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we end with them seeing, um, them finding Gene in 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 the middle of the desert. They get sent on this mission. Um, Apocalypse attacks them. Hope gets a hold of Gene and try and like basically uses Gene's powers to go inside Gene's head, and then is like, "Oh, hey, what's the white hot room?" And that's basically how that ends for issue sixteen. Uh, so yeah, in issue seventeen, for sorry, dear listener, I'm turning a page. Um, yeah, turn the page. So, in issue seventeen, first of all, the artist changes, and the art. And I'm sorry, I can't draw my way out of a paper bag, so I have no business critiquing anyone. But the interiors of issue seventeen and eighteen. I am not a fan of whatsoever. It's a poor man's Frank quietly. I, I sure it, it's, it's a poor man. Something that's for sure. <laughs> it that works better for I'm the sorry, Xavier but stuff, but not so much for the desert stuff. Yeah. It did not work for any of the white hot room stuff. That's for sure. So we pick back up with um, Exodus thinking he can like overcome his his demons and he and he's attacking um apocalypse and he hits him in the head with like this energy blast because you know wixes has all, whatever power he wants basically but it's not enough to kill apocalypse and apocalypse starts squishing his fucking head imagine if like a decent artist had drawn this <laughs> and 
And as Apocalypse is about to murder um, Exodus, uh, and phoenix angel version of hope comes soaring in with like a phoenix sword and like basically she's she's an an amalgamation of powers right now she's the the angelic version of what exodus is seeing in his fucking crazy bible mind Mm. combined with the phoenix force and so she comes tearing in and cuts Cuts Apocalypse in half, cuts his fucking head off, I think, at some point, too. And then, um, right as that's done, Gene awakens, but is kind of like talking gibberish. And we don't really know. She doesn't know where she's at. Hope and Exodus have no idea what's happening. And so, flipping pages to kind of catch back up. Meanwhile, at the same time, while they're out in the desert, and we now know the White Hot Room, um, that means that this version of Krakoa, the Atlantic Krakoa, is also in the White Hot Room, which means Mother Righteous had done some magic to get herself inside the White Hot Room. So not great. No. Not not great. Um, and so we cut back to her, um, and she's, you know, like, oh, Destiny, you're just you're just regular blind now, right? Like, you, you got no vision, you got no powers. She's like, no, just me sitting over here all by my lonesome all uh defenseless and then mother righteous <laughs> just attacks her with a goddamn knife not super elegant no. not super elegantly she barely gets it she barely gets a hold of this older blind woman <laughs> um and, no, so you barely killed an older blind woman <laughs> i mean listen i'm not rebecca's going through a lot right now is all i'm trying to say fair. um and so as she's going in for another fucking slice at, at Irene, uh, <laughs> one of the little characters that we, one of the little children that we met a while ago, I don't, the little guy with the, the little bug wings. I don't remember Pixie wings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he comes in he's like, Hey, Miss Irene. I go, Oh shit. And then he goes <laughs> running the fuck away. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and fucking, uh, mother righteous kind of like shoot, shoot some magic at him. Cause you know, it's a comic book. Um, and so at this point, I guess Exodus and, and Hope have already returned back to base and, and our little bug boyfriend, um, or Kafka, of course, his fucking name is Kafka. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so I've got little bug feet. I don't know what bugs eat. Kafka over here, um, is trying to tell Exodus and Hope that he just saw, um, Miss Irene getting stabbed. Um, and so Mother Righteous is like, fuck. Uh, what I gotta cause a distraction. So she uh gets Krakoa all worked up and angry, and Krakoa starts lashing like the roots and and tree like tree branches and all this shit start attacking all the remaining survivors. And at the same time that this is happening, Mother Righteous uses the distraction to go to where they've left Gene and and a comatose mumbling to herself version of Jean Grey. Vegetableized Jean, yeah. Yeah. And she puts her on a leash and walks her back out into the desert. And that's where the story ends for this book of the White Hot Room. So we get to the Xavier portion of this where basically we find out, oh no, uh Forge's serum or whatever worked. They don't have the sinister thing anymore. Sinister did this a long time ago. <laughs> Fucking perfect. <laughs> absolutely perfect 
And basically, Sinatra's like, hey, don't kill yourself. Don't jump off that ledge. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. I did this a long time ago. So we need to talk. And don't forget, guys, this Sinister is pretty pissed off about the whole someone else reached Dominion thing. And as he admits, is very petty about it, too. Oh, yeah. he's, He's like, I need you to understand what's really going on behind the scenes. Here's a secret room into my brain. I'll let you in fully. And I love this part because Xavier's like, I've gone to people's brains before. It's full of all these things. You're empty. You're hollow. And they're just paper masks. Like, it's depressing. Yeah, he was fucking ripping Sinister a new one. He's like, you yeah. are a paper. Yeah, like we said, you're a paper mask, man. You don't like you're a copy of a copy of a copy, which we're going to find out. Oh, okay. That yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so, it, and this let's point, be honest. It already did because Mister Sinister has been cloning this version of himself many times already. And he so. says that he's like, I don't even know if I'm the real me anymore. Does it really matter? Because we're clones of clones of clones. But also in this book, he admits that it's one of the other three in Dominion. So as the reader, we're like, oh shit! So definitely one of these three. And he's like, I need you, though, to help figure out who it is and we can stop them. Like, don't kill yourself, please. I admit, basically, that I lost and I fucked up, but, like, we can still do something about it. So he gives him a special kind of seed, like the Krakoan Gates, but it's like a sinister gate to get to Myrrh Island. And that's where we end his story of, like, what we need to do to save everyone is on Myrrh Island, of course. Of fucking course it is. So I think it's more appropriate if I start with the Xavier stuff in this part. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So two seconds as I turn the page. Um, so Sinister and Xavier are having a little buddy cop adventure. Uh, basically asking Sinister, like, why here? And he's essentially goes like, because it's funny. It's funny. It's I love it. It's I, I love that. I love that Kieran's getting to write Sinister again. <laughs> yes. And basically, it's like, oh, it's a nexus point for a heart. Anyway, it's fun. So they get in here, and it's basically the machine they had before that was kind of the countermeasure to Dominion and the whole sinister future and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we can fix this because our enemy, our enemy is outside of time and space right now. So he doesn't see what we're doing yet, and we can get him before he reaches his peak. Because if he already had his peak, he would have stopped us already and understood what was going on. And in this time, we discover Xavier's looking at all the different files. And he realizes, no, Orbis has already reached Dominion and lost. So did you. So did Stasis. So as the reader, we're assuming the winner is going to be revealed right in the same issue. Correct. That's what we're thinking. It's the main sinister that we used to is basically saying we need to stop Mother Righteous right now. We need to figure out what's going on right now. Let's go to your part of the story. <laughs> so why? Why would we need to stop Mother Righteous right now? So let me explain why. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go scene for scene. I'm just going to kind of give uh, a little gist of what happens here because yeah. it's basically a race against time. So um, what's happening is Mother Righteous is she loves magic. She knows about magic. You know what I mean? Like she she's taking her time. She's learned all the different magics there are to know and she's been using as we knew 
the thanks and the adoration of of the mutants as as a means of trading within magic so she gets a thank you from somebody they basically she has some kind of power now over them so all the different things she gets gives her just a little just a little bit she describes it's not a lot and it once you use it it's gone it's not it's not unlimited you know what i mean which i thought it was pretty cool having these rules i love this is the one thing i do love about magic there's always rules there's definitely rules in magic yeah and if you break those rules not good it's not good um and so we're learning this because mother righteous is now narrating um and at the same time exodus and hope are like they they go to where uh irene is uh destiny um as she was attacked and as she was bleeding out i her powers came back and she had a vision and she knows exactly what the fuck um um Oh my god her name just flew. mother righteous is up to <laughs> and she's like we have to get to her i need to talk to her basically and so like talk to her like it's very implied that she's like i need to stop her i need to talk to her it's like okay we get it but like talk to her i'm gonna fucking murder this crazy lady um oh yeah before uh previously when she was gonna stab uh destiny she was very much like just stop for two seconds i need to tell you something like it wasn't like save my life it was something i need to tell you like you're yeah, the that's one true. yeah up. yeah that's true i did kind of i i kind of mixed that part up so yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't think it wasn't a vision she got at the at that moment she had gotten it before that's right yeah um and so mother righteous though is just dog walking gene gray um through the white hot room and since it's just the nexus of all realities and all magic is a story we keep going through this mother righteous is really emphasizing that magic is just a story it's it's got a, a beginning middle and end there's a point to it there's a twist all of it it's just a story um and so she's walking basically up this tower that has appeared out of nowhere because magic um and she walks into the center of the white hot room with Jean Grey, you know, the um basically the magic key of the White Hot Room. And we uh see that while she's doing she she's brought her there because she's gonna use another kind of magic, a magic called blood magic. And um she plans to a- accomplish Dominion by sacrificing Jean Grey in the middle of the white hot room for all the obvious reasons she picks jean gray and then the white hot room helps because it's the nexus of all realities so if she can get use the blood magic from sacrificing jean gray and then doing her magic spell in jean gray's blood she can basically write a story using magic in which she gets dominion and she wins um our heroes exodus destiny <laughs> and hope uh our protagonists uh, uh, yes thank you uh, arrive right as this is happening so just a moment too late she's already stabbed Jean. she's already written out once upon a time there was a simple girl from essex she became a dominion she lived happily ever after and so she starts ascending up and looks like she's turning this page because uh, she's about to reveal the next part of her story, but there's just flame, just flame underneath the page. This was fantastic. 
and all and then the flame starts telling a story that says however his mistress of stories should have known there's always a twist look behind you and she turns around and like explodes yeah like it's popped yeah but then like basically comes back to life in the in the middle of the white hot room because that you know that was in whatever astral plane magic realm um and so she's like no it was it should have been me she's like in shock much like our mr sinister was when he realized he didn't get dominion uh he's like it should have been me and then destiny says hope help me over to mother righteous and then she kicks her in the fucking face and said that's <laughs> what i was trying to tell you you piece of shit you've doomed us all and then it ends with another once upon a time uh, a cliche from child's fiction and we get a new narrator yep a narrator who tells us that stories are pathetic that my pages are stuck together there we go that stories are just something you really like this page is something that can be eaten by ai to be made more powerful and we learn that all these other mr sinisters that our original Mr. Nathaniel Essex made to learn the different sciences in space and magic and all these things to go out so that they may learn how to defeat the machine that was coming. Well, really, the only way to defeat the machine was to become the machine. Yeah. And so each and every time one of these people found how to reach Dominion, that triggered a reset mr sinister you're familiar with these reset triggers right yeah um and then all that data was uploaded into this all-powerful ai and now it appears that it's come online because we end in the same room where we saw all the mr sinister clone tubes and now there are lights we see the lights above and the wiring above all the computer wires, you know how you know how computers are. Um, yep. And so we've got our our diamond lit up. We've got our club lit up. We've got our spade lit up, and then our heart lights up. And when that happens, a king symbol lights up in the middle of this card suite of yes. of AI. And we basically say, we learn. I was Nathaniel Essex. I am long dead. I am a ghost, a ghost in the machine. You may call me Enigma. You were told you had new gods. You do. I am he. I can see all of you. Every part of you will become part of me. Fan fucking tastic. Story will continue in the one of the fall of the House of X books or something. I don't remember yeah. which one awesome loved the twist i was not feeling the issues in general i wasn't really loving them but the twist at the end the none of the fucking sinisters got dominion the original sinister gets dominion because of all of their hard work fucking perfect absolutely perfect. amazing really ties in everything with moira just almost like an anti to what moira has been doing and it raises more questions of like, when does this take effect? Like, will that issue, that first issue of which some of you guys may already know, 
but that first issue of Power of X or whatever just be a new timeline again? Is that how we're going to reset what happened to the X-Men right now? Because it's going to have to read timeline again. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea I, where we go from here. Every, pretty much anyone listening to this does. Um, yeah. So this must be very fun for you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm truly interested to see where this goes because I don't know if this means... Because I'm taking it to mean... Mr. Sin, like when Mr. Sinister was inside Xavier's head, being like, one of them already got Dominion. That was what this AI wanted him to see. Like he yes. hadn't actually reached Dominion. This is how I'm reading it. So I could be off, but he had this, this Nathaniel Essex, the AI version, hadn't reached Dominion yet. He was learning how to do that from the data being sent back to him. And now with this latest one with Mother Righteous and him coming online, now I, like you're saying, I think that's what is happening now, right? Now it's going to be the story of him attempting to reach Dominion through this I, AI, right? I took it as he has always been there. Like each time these Sinisters made it to Dominion with the logic of no time and no space, he'd already be there. Self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. Fair, yeah, and that and that could be because he's outside of time and space. So yeah, so that's yeah. how I took it. Yeah, yeah, but they I don't all know knew what happens a now. sinister made it. They all knew a sinister is there. Yeah, but yeah, uh, awesome. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm very I'll, interested. I'll give see. it a four and a half X's. I'm gonna give it four because I other like the art was really bad. The art really took me out of it a lot the and first issues art was good the first couple issues yeah were very good I, I really loved the art in immortal basically leading up into those last two issues yeah um but yeah so i'll give it a four though because that twist was just real fucking good and with all of the different like mentions of the techno organic virus and the phalanx and everything yeah, is it Nimrod. all one the same as we were saying off off air yeah so yeah, it's it's wild shit, man. Yeah, so let's get to no. What did we speculated down. something off air? What the hell was that that we speculated? That is is he actually the phalanx? Is this last enigma sinister mm. the phalanx? Is like, it the actual phalanx? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and if so, be. does that mean? Oh, that's right. That's right. Because when we were like, then he's already part of Cable, which means Mister Sinister still fucking around with the Summers family, eternally fucking with the Summers family. <laughs> it it's in fashion, yeah. Um, so now we're going to bring it down a little bit because you guys know I'm mainly positive. I'm a pretty positive guy when it comes to nerddom in general. And I loved the original run of Uncanny Avengers. I was super pumped with it. Rick Remander did a fantastic job on that book. Uh, the finale of it could have you know been tweaked. So right now we're going to cover the current version of Uncanny Avengers and I'm not as thrilled about this book. I'm also confused if the book is over. Was this the only five-issue book that I'm not sure about? The reason the team got together, I was hesitant from the first issue, and then like it made less sense as I went on. Uh, I just I don't know if they mesh as a team in general. And then the bad guy's motivation and cruelty. Like, I call who Captain Krakoa was in the first issue. 100%. Like, each, and with each issue, it just became more and more apparent. Like, to the point where, like, stop oh, acting like this is a fucking surprise. 
There was only one twist I did like, and we'll get to that in a second. So, a little summary. We did the first issue, but basically we come back to this team of Rogue, Deadpool, Quicksilver, Monet, Psylocke, and Black Widow and Captain America. Boom. Uh, They're fighting Blob, Wild Child, Captain Krakoa, and the Ferris twins. Fenris. Fenris twins, and I feel like I'm missing someone else. Nope, you got him. Maybe not. Okay, cool. Um, so they're fighting, and basically the bad guys get the upper hand, and they hurt Captain America's arm. You know, if you want to have a reason for him to wear the frame of Bucky's arm for no reason, what the fuck was that for? I have no idea. I thought it was gonna be like a plot point. I thought they were at first like making Bucky dress as Cap. To I did too. Them. I did too. I was like, oh, Bucky's going undercover. Yeah, and then nope, nope. Nope, just for no reason we gave Captain America the Winter Soldier arm, but it's not the full arm. It's just a cast. It's basically a cast. I'm trying to find the cover because I feel like they did it just so they can have it on one of the preview covers to trick people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Issue number four. Issue number four, he's got that. That's why they did it. Anyway. um, Yes, in general, this whole book felt like a why do we need this book kind of thing. Which blows my mind because of the roster they have yeah the, the writer. writer they have and it's got avengers on the title you would think this would be an important book it feels so throwaway but it feels wait like it feels like it's being important and then it's like oh wait no this wasn't important so let me continue before we do this full review um so after Fine. that they have another basically monet and quicksilver they track down the Fenris twins, which then those two start building a relationship for some reason. Wait, which two? That's a thing. Uh, Quicksilver and Monet. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck that was coming from. It came out came out of nowhere and also didn't like end anywhere. And it didn't like. I didn't feel like it didn't add anything. Do anything for it. me. So then you also have... Like, I feel like Monet would not... I don't think she would be impressed by Pietro. Yeah. And then you have another storyline of the X-Men asking Cap, hey, maybe you shouldn't be the leader because it brings maybe too much attention on us. And he's basically like, no, it'll be fine. I got this. It'll be fine. And Deadpool is I like... veto it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then right after that, Deadpool is like, I am so disappointed in all of you. How could you speak to Captain America like that? I Deadpool love how much actually likable in this book. I I do enjoy how much Deadpool love loves Captain America and like yeah. on it like so many other characters whenever he's around Captain America just wants to be like the best version of himself. One of the books I want us to cover when we start doing the book club version of this is a Deadpool book written by Gary Dugan and it's basically it's called Original Sin, I believe. It's it's during the Original Sin event and it's all about Deadpool, Cap, and Wolverine finding Deadpool's daughter. Um, and it's very serious, like the entire time. Like, yeah, it's I really mean, good. it does. It, yeah, it makes sense that that Jerry would, would write a pretty good Deadpool. He, he wrote Deadpool for a long time, right? Yeah, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably comes out the best in the story. Now, as someone who really mm-hmm. liked the Nick Spencer run of Captain America, which is all about Hydra Cap. And by the way, Captain Krakoa is Hydra Captain America. What? 
Exactly. If you don't know, he uh, had an alternate timeline because of the Cosmic Cube, and then he's basically Nazi Cap. That's what it is. Don't worry, his new name's Grant. Yeah, sure. So during this time when he refused to step down as leader, essentially, uh, he gave a nice speech in front of the Treehouse, the former X-Men headquarters, and about unity and like, hey, mutants are pretty cool. Everyone's like, all right, man, thanks for the Pepsi or whatever. Like, it, it just seems like everyone thought, thank you, nice speech from Captain America. At the same time, he's trying to get proof that what happened at the Hellfire Gala isn't what it seems. So Mr. Benerick was like, hey, if you can get me a human who can say what happened, we're good. And I did like the twist that he's like, all right, I got a witness. It's the Kingpin. Yeah. That was good. I was just like, yeah. But honestly... That, I feel like that should have happened in the main X-Men book because those characters have all been used in that book. Yeah, that's and that's where I'm at. Like, be, And because Jerry Duggan's writing the X-Men book too, I thought there was going to be like more yeah. of a connection here than there appears to be. Yeah. So in the meantime, there's a very, very awkward scene where Evil Cap goes in the shower with the sister. Oh, I thought Edwards. we moved on books because you were talking about stuff that happens in the next book. You're getting your shit on. Yeah, I'm just putting it all together. I'm you're not following. Shit all, okay, you're not following anything. All right. No, no, no. Um, I care less. So I'm following less. So I'm putting them like, down. Putting them down. Yeah. So, evil cap goes in the shower, and the brother was like, "Hey, my sister's in there." He's like, "Yeah, I know." And then he just has sex with her while the brother's sitting down, like cringing and like yep. looking like he's gonna cry. I mean. Yeah, because I mean, do you know you know about the Fenris? Yeah, yeah. in their incest, right? Yeah, you know about, yeah. yeah okay. So, so it's it like doubly, weird. it's like doubly hurtful, hurtful for. Like you got cucked by your sister. He always does, though. He always yeah, does. It's, it's kind it's of a, a recurring theme for for Andre. So eventually, uh, we find out that Evil Cap stole a nuke so he could actually kill. Was it to kill Orcus? It was, was he actually bombing? He was basically going to frame the mutants, but also take out Stasis yes. at the same time. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so when he was going to do that, Stasis is like, hey, just so you know, they have a, a witness who knows who you are at Ben Urich's office. So take care of that first. So everyone's confused of why and who, and I'm confused of why and who is fighting who. Either way, this all ends with a big punch up. They The good guys win. Two things that are cool and stupid happen at the same time. We have the way Rogue saved everyone by taking the nuke and throwing it away, but also they need Deadpool to be near her so she can use his healing factor. And we find out Deadpool has a thing for Rogue. Oh yeah, no, we've known that. Yeah, yeah. There's oh, where, um, when was that? I a couple years back there was like a Rogue and Gambit miniseries. Yeah. One of the one of the few that has happened over the last couple of years, and like Deadpool is in there, kind of like flirting with Rogue, being like, "Why are you with this guy? We could, bro, you're so much better." <laughs> um, yeah, again, I I know I'm jumping around because I feel like not a lot happened. I feel like there's a lot. So of like, noise. yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was not a whole a lot happened, and there was a lot of movement, but not a lot happened. That's that's yeah. basic, that's how because I would describe basically, it. Basically, they beat up the main team of bad guys relatively easily yeah really they 
they suck because yeah. they it's the Fenris twins, Wild Child, and Blob. Oh yeah, Psylocke cuts off their arms. That was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, Psylocke cuts off their arms. Yeah, let's just talk about some highlights at this point. Yeah, uh, um, Blob kind of has a moment of wait, are we the bad guys? Because and and I'm glad they did that. Like I'm glad yeah. they never they never gave up on Blob. They were like, Blob, come on, listen to us. We know this isn't you anymore. Like you're getting you're getting used. And then as yeah. soon as he realized he was getting used, he was like, okay, I'm back on I'm back on your side. And uh, Wild Child tried to use trauma against Black Widow, and she laughed at him. He just literally laughed it off and then shot him in the stomach. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, um, it uh, to me the ending was really weird though. So the, yeah, yeah. At the, the very ending... end, um, Wilson ahead, Fisk yeah. is a witness to mm-hmm. what happened, so they're writing mm-hmm. a story about that. Yep. But also, after the good guys win, when everything goes to court, Cyclops is going to be tried in france for some reason well i will say i did i i do like i do like that because um it was in x-men 200 speaking of the magneto uh with the the purple magneto in the purple dress um that was what he wore when he was on trial in paris france in front of the un in issue two that was that's that was this where they had the trial of magneto where he basically turns like his his character arc to turn into a good guy begins. Oh, okay. Um and then we have Grant now instead of Steve, Grant Rogers doing this whole speech about like becoming a new flag smasher who is a character. Um and I don't I don't know how to explain it like he becomes anti anything not human. Yeah, he holds a press conference after, so after being Orcus and him being exposed as like whatever they were doing, none so of it matter. None of it. Well, see, I'm upset by this book because it doesn't feel satisfactory. Yeah, but as I'm saying it out loud right now, I realize, oh no, this is just parallel to our world. Yes. So it was on display the crazy shit that this man just did and the crimes this man just committed. But half of the population seemed to be like, yeah, cool. We like that. And yeah, the we other half was yeah. like, no, we don't like that. And so he gave a press conference outside of the court, which made it seem like he had already been exonerated in some way or something. That's what was confusing. Yeah. Um, And he gives this press conference where, where like you said, I'm a new, I, I, I stand up if being human is a crime then lock me up because I love humans you know what I mean like also flag smashers usually lately a Deadpool villain so that's why he threw the coffee at his face I think uh, that's cute I didn't get that I thought he just did it because he was upset with him anyway um so yeah he basically gives a speech that gets a half the population riled up because half the population still fucking hates mutants yeah and so like okay well, so Orcus orchestrated this one thing we still hate mutants like just like one of the things i always loved about the nick spencer captain america run when secret empire happened and hydra and evil cap took over they didn't like do anything violent they just took over the government and said hey here's what we want to do and most of the country supported them like they were pretty much happy because their thing was no mutants no inhumans superheroes registered with the government the end and they're like that's not bad 
So like, it's kind of believable that he just get off scot free. Like, yeah, it wasn't me. Remember me? Half of you like me. I was kind of president slash dictator. Hmm. Yeah. So hmm. yeah. Very underrated Nick Spencer run, by the way. He got maligned by all the fucking oh Hail Hydra caps of that in issue one. Yeah, then keep reading to find out the next issue is Cosmic Cube. It's almost like it's almost like that first issue did exactly what it was supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> and you fell for it like a fucking dum dum. Yeah. So I I give the series because apparently it's over. I give it uh Two and a half x three x's. I'll give it three x's. Yeah, I'll give it three x's too. Why the fuck not? It was. It's got. It had Rogue in it. It had. It's always good to see Monet. Rogue is one of the best characters of all time. So that's fine. It's an inoffensive book, but it's also a nothing book. It's a nothing book, which is weird that they you know made it. Like at least say it's a five parter. They may it look like it's a continuing series. I, I give. I give you that. But like they all, all most of these books. Like Jean Grey was four, the Iceman book was five, Alpha Flight did five. So like most of the books they just put out had been were like mini ver- mini series. Probably if it for, sells well, they'll make it a continuing. Yeah, yeah. Except um, yeah, and Dark X Men two was another mini. Yeah. So before we get to wrapping up the show, I want to bring up other picks of comics for our listeners. This is where I get to. There are two G.I. Joe comics. That All right. Well, you look at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, listener. Uh, so and until we then, have... <laughs> we'll see you. Nope. You can't do time. it. No, you can't do it, son of a bitch. Um, so <laughs> we have Cobra, Cobra Commander, and Duke. I gave those books a Nerd. shot. 100%. Uh, I gave those books a shot over the weekend, and they're like cool 80s sci-fi books. I really like them. There's no G.I. Joe book officially. It's just these two books are kind of leading to each other to become a G.I. Joe book. Also, we're going to cover all of them, but Ultimate Spider-Man. It's really damn good. Yeah, it's in my pile over here. I'm going to send you a video that explains everything before that book. It's oh, okay. useful. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was... I can see that book's going to be a, a huge seller. It already is. Mm-hmm. The first yeah. issue. If you have the first issue, keep it in good condition because it's already going for like fifty bucks. Oh wow, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's a thing. Loser. But yeah, those are my picks. And uh, next week we're going to be covering X Men and what else? X Men Red. X Men Red. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's another book. Do you have in your stack the issue oh. that everyone was talking about about Destiny and Mystique? Oh yeah, that's in. Yeah, I have it. It's in on. It's in one of the Uncanny Spider-Man slash X-Men Blue or whatever. I need to get that then because I don't have that. All right, good to know. So I want to cover that too if I can find it. All right, so we'll do X-Men, X-Men Red, and Uncanny Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. All right. So guys, once again, thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. And maybe, maybe I will talk about Dark X-Men next time too. Who knows? Yeah. Because I kind of forgot. Yeah, I know. Asshole. Because it wasn't about you, so how could you remember? <laughs> You're asking jump in anytime, you lazy son of a. No, so, guys, good. back to friendship and talking about that. Um, I hope you remembered between waiting for us that to tell people about the show and what do you gotta do? What do you gotta do, Josh? You gotta shake them. You gotta grab them on both of their shoulders and give them a good shake. 
so they can really focus on what you're saying and you be assertive sometimes. Not all the time, but most of the time. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Josh, where can they find you if they want to talk to you about how they shook their friend? Well, you can um, find yourself a good lawyer and then contact me on Twitter. I'm at Xbrarian. That's Librarian with an X. That's so goddamn clever. I know. Where, what and about you, tough guy? Where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me at Madman3005 and talking about everything except X-Men sometimes. I've gotten random messages. Something about selling something to them and getting money back. I don't know. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for being part of this journey with us through this desert in the white hot room. But until then, you'll turn the page and we'll see you next time.